My name is Jeff Lerner, and I interview elite performers from a wide range of disciplines, entrepreneurs, athletes, celebrities, scientists, artists, and more. This is Unlock Your Potential. Welcome to another episode of Unlock Your Potential. Always so excited to be back with you. This is Jeff Lerner, your host, and today we're going to have another amazing conversation with another amazing human being. In this case, his name is Chris Smith. He is married to his hero, Melissa. I love that he starts his bio with his wife and kids. He is married to his hero, Melissa, and he is uh, the father, proud father of five children. Uh, but seriously, it's a lot more than just, well, he's a really nice guy and he's married and he has kids, so you should like him because he's a dad. No, it's much more than that. Like his, he has forged that life, and I can only speak as, as another dad, he has forged that life that we desire so deeply as parents, as fathers, as husbands, um, the one that that really speaks to, frankly, what's possible as an entrepreneur, but specifically as a heart-led entrepreneur that is in touch with themselves, their story, their created purpose, why they're on this earth, the impact that they're here to have. And he also helps entrepreneurs and organizations essentially discover what's possible for themselves in the same way that he has. Uh, he runs a business called Family Brand that he co-founded with his wife, Melissa. And uh, he speaks all over the the place. I was going to say world. I don't, I, I've actually only seen you on domestic stages and I try not to <laughs> hyperbolize, but I know he speaks all over, uh, does a lot of consulting for large organizations, um, also coaching for some from smaller entrepreneurs. And now he's a guest on, on uh, Unlock Your Potential. So Chris, we're glad you're here. What's up, my man? Dude, stoked to be here. And I uh, I was like, man, can I just bring Jeff everywhere with me and have him introduce me? Because that was that was incredible. Oh, well, I appreciate it because it felt very, uh, very fumbly to me. But <laughs> I uh, no, I, I I try not to be too, too stilted in my intros. But also, I think it's probably we should probably disclaim, disclose, maybe disclaim that we are also really good friends. So uh, to the audience, if, if it seems a little cash, that's probably because it is. But no, Chris is a is a great guy. Chris is like someone that Chris cover yours. We, we don't want to swell your head, but like he's a guy that I as a as a person who is striving very much to do what Chris helps people do, which is like live this empowered, entrepreneurial, value creative, uh, and and yeah, very like heart led and loving life that that blesses and and touches a lot of people in a positive way. Metaphorically, by the way, on that last verb touch. Um, I'm like, Chris is like one of my go-tos. Like some days I'm just like, I need to talk to Chris. I mean, he has that kind of that kind of juju. So seriously, welcome to the show, Chris. Um, maybe, and we, maybe we should also disclose that a few days ago we had the round one of this conversation and halfway through it, your internet went out. And so uh, we kind of have a running start here too. Um, but I feel like we were getting into some great territory in our last conversation um, that felt right to me. So I'm going to kind of take us back there. It was like we were talking about um, really taking on the risk of, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it was like we were taking on the risk of actually being ourselves and trying to, to bring our, our authentic self into our professional livelihood and live this integrated life, right? Where it's not bifurcated between, well, this is what I do over here to trade time for money. And this is over here where I get to be who I am. According to you, at least, you can have it all. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know, I, I don't know why, but I think our default setting or our default hardwiring as human beings is we're just, we look at the either or instead of the both and. And it just, and look, that was me for the longest time. It's like, well, either I can be a really successful, impactful entrepreneur 
or I can be a really present husband and father, for example. Or, you know, it's like I can be really committed in my business or I can be really committed in my health. I can be really intentional in my personal development or it's like, well, man. or I can make a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, what about the and like, and, and it's so funny this morning I, I was at the gym working out. It just occurred to me, you know, and, and a lot of times I get these, just these downloads when I'm working out and I just post them. And usually when I do that from the point of the download to posting it without taking a whole lot of time, it, it's always impactful to someone. Someone will reach out and be like, man, I really needed to hear that today. And so I've just learned to kind of follow that voice or that intuition. Mm -hmm. And today I just put, you have time to dot, dot, dot. And I, and then underneath it, I said, um, be committed to your significant other and go on a date each week, uh, invest in your spirituality and faith every day, work out five times a week, be successful in your business or career and pursue a hobby. And I really believe that that that's possible that you can have this integrated life. And yes, yeah, certainly some areas might be taking more, you know, emphasis or, or time than others. But I, I just feel like we've bought into this myth or this lie that like, yeah, you, you know, you, you it's got to be this chaotic, segmented, fragmented, siloed life, like families over here, marriages over here, businesses over here, health is over there. And I just think you can pursue the both and. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, we're we're so aligned in this. You can see I'm I'm actually wearing a shirt that says Three P's Boot Camp on it. It has these three icons for physical, personal, and professional. And and we actually have one in in a couple of weeks where we're going to have a dozen people that are going to spend about four days with me and Jacqueline. And essentially, what we're trying we have this experiential laboratory that is that we bring people into to literally prove to them what you just said mm. that you can live an integrated physical personal and professional life that's all leading towards what we call the fourth p of purpose mm. and it's almost like people are to some people sometimes for for some reason it's so hard to believe or it's so hard to actually successfully operationalize that for us, we've just started saying, hey, we can only we can only help, you know, we can't do this with the whole world, but like 12 people come literally live with us for four days and we're going to prove it to you. It is possible. Yeah. Um, so just for what that's worth, I mean, and also it's my podcast. I can promote my events if I want. And I kind of just did. Yeah, but, it's amazing. Um, but uh, but no, seriously, like it is it is possible to have that. You know, I, I don't want to make I don't want to make the mistake of fast forwarding past where we started our last conversation, because. Uh, you told a really, really powerful story. Um, I'm sure you know what I'm alluding to about uh, a therapist was involved. And and it was, to me, it was you setting up the the storyline of like your life before you had this realization or before you successfully created that type of integration. So maybe talk to me about fragmented Chris that hadn't figured, got all, got it all together, so to speak. And then we can allied into where you are now and how we can help other people. Yeah, I love it. I, I would be honored to. And, you know, like, I feel like today my, my purpose is to really help people wake up to what's possible for them in every area of their life. Like to, to really see what could be possible for them around their marriage, their, their family, their children, their health, their business, their spirituality, their faith. Like, because I think that so many people have a hard time seeing what's possible. Like most, most of us just, we, we don't see what's truly possible. We see a limited version of what we think is possible. And what's sad, Jeff, is I think we underestimate the fact that of how, how powerful it is to speak a little bit of possibility into someone. 
And I would say that if you're willing to speak a little bit of possibility into someone like and breathe life into them, which I loved when I found out that the the word inspire actually comes from the Latin word inspirare, which literally yeah. means to breathe into. So like when you're inspiring people, you're you're literally like like you're breathing life into in whatever area of their life that is. And I think we take for granted that most people in a week or month or sometimes a year don't have a single person in their life or in their world that does that for them. Like it's so rare, I think, today to have someone that is willing to speak possibility into someone that literally could like change everything for someone if you just were willing to like breathe a little bit of life. And, and so that's why we actually teach that that's the first definition of leadership is what great leaders do is they're able to help people see a bigger vision of what's possible for that person's life than that person could ever see for themselves. And I think it's one of the greatest gifts you can give another human being is to help them see what's possible because they won't see it on their own. And it's one of the greatest gifts that you could be given. And that's the gift I was given that you're alluding to. And, you know, prior to that, I think my life was just, you know, I had my head down and I was just kind of gritting and grinding through life. And I just kind of thought like, well, this is just the way life is. It's just hard. Like, and I, and I didn't have any idea this concept of I could just decide who I wanted to be. What, what and, were you doing? What were you doing professionally at that time? Yeah, I had I two failing businesses, owed, owed some investors money. I tried my hand at all kinds of things because again, I, 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 on one hand, I knew that I was meant for more. I knew that more was possible, but yeah, struggled to believe that I could actually do it, but I, I kind of would go for it, bounce from thing to thing to thing. So I find myself 14 years ago, two failing businesses, owed people money, married to an amazing woman, two beautiful little boys, 18 month old and a newborn. And it was like, I just found myself finally at like the lowest point in my life. Like it was the first time in my life I'd ever experienced hopelessness. Like I'd had some down times, but I, I at least always saw a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but this was the first time. And I actually remember Jeff, it being kind of um, like, it was, it was almost weird to me. Like, whoa, like I've reached a place of hopelessness. Like I was consciously aware of the fact that I'd gotten to this place of like, I can't see any possibility. I can't see any hope. Yeah. And I had, I felt like a failure as a husband, as a father, as an entrepreneur. I was broke financially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And Melissa and I were separated. And we were not just separated, like taking a break. We were separated, talking to attorneys, working out a divorce. And we'd, we'd been to a marriage counselor and it was not a great experience. Um, speaking of the whole idea of possibility, I felt like they didn't breathe any life into us and speak possibility into us. And you know, I kind of left like thinking, wow, I can't just believe I paid for that. <laughs> I can't believe I paid for a horrible experience. So when Melissa, to her credit, said, hey, look, I have a really good feeling about this marriage counselor. Let's go to one more. I was like, I do not want to go pay to have another horrible experience. And, you know, what was interesting is I had given up on the marriage. Like I had thrown in the towel, but I wasn't willing to see it all the way through if she was still willing to stick with it. Because that would really make me the bad guy. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like, oh, no, yeah. I need you yeah. to kind of throw in the towel too, which... I know it's not very powerful so, of me. So, so it was actually like you. I think you might have found the only silver lining to ego. Yeah, in that. <laughs> yeah. And I actually heard someone say one time, a guy that had been married sixty years, like, "What's the key to being married for sixty years?" And he said, "Neither one of us were willing to throw in the towel at the same time." Fortunately, because hmm. yeah. there was times where she was willing to, times right, but neither one of us. And so Melissa wasn't, and so she just kept enrolling me. She was a leader. She was enrolling me into this vision of what could be possible for our marriage, even when I couldn't see it or wasn't even willing to look. And finally, I was like, you know what? It, it kind of, if you'll stop talking about it, I'll go. And then I actually kind of had this like stroke of genius. And I was like, wait, this will actually be perfect because when we go to the marriage counselor and she realizes that even the guy she has a good feeling about can't help us, 
she'll finally arrive at this conclusion that I know is is the right one, which is we should just get divorced. This is hopeless. So I went like kind of with the idea of like, I'll just sabotage the meeting and this will be terrible. Mm-hmm. Like the first one, probably not the best mindset to go into a marriage counseling you know session with, but like, that's where I was at. And so we go in and I couldn't describe it at the time. I now have learned that, you know, we're sitting there and Gordon walks in the room and there was just something about what I would call now his way of being and his presence and his energy that was like when, even when he walked into the room, I was kind of like, who's this guy? Like there was just something about him and he kind of smiled at us and he sat down and he looks at both of us and he just said, man, I'm really glad that you guys are here. I'm really grateful you chose to come in today. And I I just hope I can serve you and make a difference for you in some way or, you know, no matter what that is. And he said, and I want you to know though, it's important for you to know that I'm not here to save your marriage. And at first I was like, well, what are we doing here? Then? Like, what, you're a marriage counselor. What, what are we here for? And he goes, but here's what I am to do. Here's what I am here to do. I'm here to listen to your story. And if you'll both be really honest with me today and authentic with me about where you've been and how you've gotten here, I'll be really honest with you and share with you my story. And here's the promise I'll make to you. If at the end of our time together today, if I think you have a marriage worth fighting for, and if I think you really have something here, I'll tell you that. And I'll tell you how you could fight for it. And if I don't think that you have a marriage worth fighting for, I'll tell you that because I don't think all marriages are worth saving. And he goes, how does that sound? And all of a sudden, Jeff, I have two really conflicting thoughts. One thought is that actually sounds amazing because that's all I think I've, I realized that's all I've wanted this whole time was someone to just be honest with me and like, cause in all of the struggles we'd had, people would like give us some advice or people would, oh, you could look at this. Or you could think about this. Or, or if we talked to people who were bitterly married or divorced, they would actually talk, you know, try to tell us to get, get a divorce. What was crazy is we didn't have one person that entire time that sat down and looked us in the eye and like, man, you guys should fight for it. Like not one person spoke possibility into us. Like when I said that we take for granted the power of speaking a little bit of possibility in someone. So I was like, wow, that's all I wanted. And then the second thing was like, man, this guy's kind of screwed up my plans because I was planning on this being a disaster. And this guy seems really awesome and authentic. So what was interesting is I shared more that day with him than anyone I'd shared in the entire time because I felt so like he was so real and I could trust him. And I talked about how I met Melissa and how we fell in love. And she talked about how she met me. And and as we shared these kind of old feelings, I started to feel some of them again. I was like, this is weird. Like I haven't felt anything, you know, for a long time. And then Gordon told us his story and it was a really inspiring story about why he felt called to become a marriage counselor. And for, for him, this wasn't just a career, this was a calling and he really wanted to make a difference for families and couples. And then as simple as it sounds, Jeff, I'll never forget as long as I live, he gets to telling his story and he kind of leans back in his chair and he folds his arms and kind of smiles. And then he just goes, yeah, I believe in you guys. I totally believe you guys have the marriage we're fighting for. I think you should, I think you should fight for it. That's my, that's my opinion. And then he just stops. And dude, I don't know why, like it's just such a simple thing, but like this flood of just like something came into me and I could see like some possibility and hope for the first time in a really long time. And I was like, well, man, if Gordon believes it, then maybe I could believe it. And that day literally was the path, like to changing the trajectory of my life. Cause it wasn't just like, he spoke possibility into our marriage. He also started speaking possibility into me. And and so the thoughts that dominated my life every single day prior to Gordon's office was, I don't matter. I'm not enough. My life has no meaning and purpose. 
I'll never make it in business and I'll never have a great marriage. Like, like obsessed. Like that's all that consumed me. And here one guy just says one thing that like, and what's crazy, Jeff, is I've, as I've now asked, asked audience all over the world and all over the country about, Hey, has, have you ever had someone that spoke possibility into you? And they'll tell that, they'll tell a similar story. It's never anything like earth shattering. It's usually someone is like, yeah, I had this coach in high school and I, or college when I was a wrestler and I was struggling. He pulled me aside and he goes, yeah, I just want you to know. I don't know if anyone's ever told you this. Like you could be great. And then walked off the map. And he was like, that, that changed my, that changed the rest of my life. And again, it's like this power of speaking a little possibility into people. You just, and so, so I had a realization that day and some subsequent realizations after I, I went and met with Gordon more times, which, mm -hmm. cause I needed more help than Melissa did. Um, so I, I got on the retainer uh, program, but what I realized that day that it never occurred to me is like, wow, like I'm the author of my story. I had just never like, maybe you realized that way earlier than I did. Like you were way more enlightened than me. I don't know why it took me so long. I just had no clue. I just kind of was like, well, the world's kind of written my story and I'm just living into the story I should and I'm supposed to. But that day it was like, wait a minute. If I'm the author, well, dang, part of that is humbling because that, that means that everything that's in my life that doesn't work, I've authored it. And it was the first time I ever consciously remember accepting 100% responsibility for my life which was a powerful experience. But the inspiring part of it was, well, yes, and if I'm the author, then while I'm 100% responsible for what has happened, I'm also 100% capable of changing it. And then and the page is blank, but do I have the courage to pick up the pen? And so that's become this mantra for me in a brand that I eventually want to like launch and do something really cool around helping mm -hmm. people be the authors of their story. And then I just started realizing like, man, my life is just simply made up of the stories I choose to believe. So what if I, what if I started choosing to believe a new story? What if I started believing a new story of what was possible in my marriage? What if I started believing a new story of what was possible in my life as, as an entrepreneur, as a dad? And I would just say that the last 14 years have literally and figuratively been me living into that story that I, that I wrote and, and continuing to write and fast forward, you know, Melissa and I stayed married. She is my hero. We have five children now and I, I just feel like we've created a marriage and a family and a life that's like beyond anything I could have ever thought possible. And it came from a place of like real despair. Mm -hmm. So I heard something pretty cool today that was uh, basically like the same boiling water that hardens the egg softens the potato. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, hey, it kind of does, right? Yeah. And so like, I get it. Like, the world is boiling water and I get to choose. Am I going to be an egg or am I going to be a potato, right? Depending on how uh, it, it, I allow it to affect me. So so as you were talking, I was thinking about that. I was like, so your life, your life circumstances, it's not like something changed dramatically in the sense, like externally. It's not like you won the lottery. Oh. It's not like you got invited to the cool party or whatever. You just changed your relationship and the meaning that you were attaching to your circumstances and the intention that you were starting out with. So, so like, I, can we talk about like a tale of two Chris's, right? Yeah, totally. Same, same marriage, uh, same basic set of, you know, environment and same like, failing, like, same failing businesses. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, you know, that word hopelessness, like sadly, I feel like Right now, today, at the time we're recording this, we are alive in an era where there is a a tragic amount of hopelessness mm. in the world. Uh, 
And, and, you know, I, I feel the same way as you. It's like, I want to breathe. I mean, this whole show unlock your potential is literally, we're trying to breathe possibility into people. Um, and so I wonder if you could talk about how do you think people end up? Because frankly, I would say the vast majority of hopelessness is illogical. Like there's totally. always another direction. Totally. Right. And so how do you think we end up hopeless? One of my one of my favorite books, and it's a newer book for me, but I can already tell it's one of my absolute favorites of all time. And I can tell it's going to be one of those like I go to back to it over and over. It's called This Thing Called You by Ernest Holmes. Okay. Mm, and it's a super deep book about spirituality and universal consciousness. But my favorite line so far in there, and I've been sharing it with my wife and kids to the point where I think they're like, okay, dad, if you share that with me one more time, I get it. But I'm like, no, really. And the thought and the line is, what thought has done, thought can undo. Dang. What thought has done, thought can undo. I'm like, dude, if people like, like I get chills thinking about it now, like literally Jeff, I thought my way into that circumstance of hopelessness. Now you don't look, you don't think like, look at that time when I'm sitting in Gordon's office and I'm being confronted with, I might be hundred percent responsible. Do you think I want to like, accept that and admit that right no i'm right. fine i'm like no i'm not dude this is my parents fault for how they raised me and i had loving parents but i mean this is my school system's fault this is that teacher's fault who said this to me in third grade this is my wife's fault this is like the economy's fault this is my business partner's fault right so i don't want to accept 100 responsibility but it's actually the only path to freedom is by accepting 100 responsibility because as long as i'm not responsible well then i'm also not capable and so i had literally thought myself into those circumstances and then I use the same power, which is thought, to think myself out of those circumstances. Now, behavior follows thought, right? And so there's this, there's this equation that if we want to improve performance in any area of our life, let's just pick one like physical performance since it's the first thing on your shirt I see. It's like, I want to improve physical performance. And for everyone, that could be different. For some people, it's like, I want to do a triathlon. For other people, it's like, I just want to walk. 20 minutes every morning without pain in my knees, whatever it is. I want to improve performance. Well, at the root of all performance is action. You cannot incre have increased performance without action. Well, then it's like, okay, well, let's follow that down. Well, what, what creates action? Because action doesn't just happen. What creates action is how things occur to us. Our, another way of saying that is our thoughts. So performance, action, thoughts. So like, for example, right now, Jeff, if I, if I went like this and pretend like I was going to throw this, this, um, crystal at you, you wouldn't even react because we're on screen. Right. If we were in person and I went like this, what would you do? Yeah. Because I took an action because what occurs to you is, oh, this is coming at me. So can you see how the occurring creates the action? Right. Of course. So then the really cool thing about this is, well, what creates occurring then? And what creates occurring is language. Everything's rooted in language. Like whether the language of our thoughts or what we say out loud, language is the fundamental element of creation. And so unfortunately, when at the time of my life where I was absolutely hopeless, so was my language. The only thing I thought about and talked about all day, every day was, here's what isn't working in my life. Here's what I don't like about my life. Here's what I don't have in my life. And here's what I don't want that is in my life. 
Well, so from that place of language, guess what occurred to me? Like not working. Guess what action I took? Not working type action. And guess what performance I had in my life? Well, hopelessness. And with the help of Gordon, and I started first changing the language by writing a new narrative and starting to say things be long before I even believed them, long before I even could see the, but just said them long enough that the language started to change my thoughts and my occurring, which started to change the action I took, which started to improve the performance of every area of my life, my marriage, my health, my confidence, my business. And I think we just underestimate language, both what we say out loud to ourselves and others about our lives and what we say inside of our own narrative. And so it's like, I thought like what thought ha has done, thought can undo. Does that make any sense? Oh, I love that. Yeah. I'm totally going to probably annoy my kids with it too now. Um, but yeah, can we, can we take a beat on language is the source of, uh, I think you said it's the source of all creation. I mean, yeah. obviously the Bible obviously came to mind in the beginning. There was the word and yeah. literally creation was the Lord said the Lord literally created this with words. You know, that's the biblical narrative. Yeah. But I mean, this is an ancient idea that words that we speak reality into existence. Totally. Right. So let's let's camp there for a sec. Because uh, I mean, the 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 very powerful, you know, perhaps even controversial, uh, you know, thesis that we would extract from what you said is that if everybody's responsible for their life, then, and everybody's created their life in that sense, they're authoring their life, they are doing it through their language, which you're, I think you're holding up as a possibility that literally change your language, change your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I, I my yeah, like I'm all in on that because I've experienced it too, but I feel like we should unpack it a little because I could imagine some members of the audience f being in some resistance to that because like that's a stretch. Like, wait, look, man, you know, I'm having to work three jobs and you don't understand. And I got this thing stacked against me. And, you know, in my town, there's no opportunity and there's drug dealers that, you know, on the corner as soon as I walk out of my house. And you're telling me that my life will change if I just start using different words. Okay. So what's so funny about that, Jeff, and, and ironic, not funny, but ironic is think of the language you, you you just used in that example. Well, what thoughts would occur to you about your life if you're that person with that kind of language? You, you can never produce a productive, empowering, inspiring, possibility-filled thought from limited language like, well, you don't know my situation and you don't know that there's no opportunities in my town and you don't realize how little I get. It's like, you're literally creating the, the reality of your life through that language, which then creates that thought, which has you take the action you take, which has the performance. And here's what's challenging, but, but possible is I'm going to consciously choose in spite of my circumstances to start to use language that actually doesn't even match up with my current reality with the belief that if I stick to it, commit to it long enough, I'll actually go from this place of, okay, Chris, I'm saying this stuff that I don't even believe, right? Like, and that's like when I, when I said I chose to pick up the pen, I chose to pick up the pen from a place of, I still didn't believe it. I still didn't believe that we could actually save our marriage. I really didn't believe yet that I could make it in business. I didn't believe, but it was like, but there was a possibility maybe that I could, but it was still way more unbelief than there was belief. And so from a place of real limitation from a place of scarcity mindset, from a place of doubt, I was like, well, what do I got to lose? 
And so I just started writing a story of like, I will be a successful entrepreneur. I will be a successful husband. I will be a successful father. We will have an amazing marriage. Are, are you are you actually physically writing this down? Yeah, literally writing, literally and figuratively, but like writing. And I'm like, okay. And I think I was just so hungry and so hopeless that I was willing to do anything that I just kept saying it long enough to where it went from, I don't believe this, but I'll say it. So the next stage was like, huh. I wonder if I could believe this. Like I, I like I went from unbelief to kind of curiosity. And then I said and then I kept saying it. And then I went from curiosity to like, oh, maybe this could happen. So kind of like a little bit of possibility. But then what I didn't even realize was happening, Jeff, and I didn't even really notice it, is just with the consistency of that language, I was also starting to take different actions. I was showing up a little bit differently. People were experiencing me differently, including Melissa. And then it got to a place where it's like, oh, this, this could happen. And then it's like, it is happening. And then it's like, I am this language that I speak. Here's the challenge though. Most people have never been taught that they can just take control of the narrative, even in a place of hopelessness, and they can create new language that's totally opposite of their current reality, but start using it as a possibility. And if they commit to it long enough, consistently enough, it will start to alter the, your thoughts and your actions and it'll start to change the world and the environment around you. And I think that what we don't realize is we have so much negative noise and language coming in at us every day from the world and from our own limited self that if we're not outpacing that, we're losing ground every day. And again, no one ever told me that. I didn't realize I was losing ground every day to my own language and my own thoughts. I just thought that's how life is. So even to this day, that's why I have a personal manifesto with all of my declarations and I've got it memorized by heart and it takes me about five minutes to say it because it's like that many, but I say it every morning, I say it every night and I say it throughout the day because I, I, I never want to take for granted that I never want to risk turning the narrative back over to my limited thoughts and the world. Like I'm going to stay in control of the narrative and I'm going to continue to tell myself who I am. Because look, here's the thing that's interesting, Jeff. Each of us are creating ourselves with language every day, whether we realize it or not. We're already creating our reality. It's just, are we unconsciously creating more of what we don't want? Or are we starting to consciously create a possibility of what we could have and what we do want? But it's all rooted in language, I promise. And I know it's a far stretch at times, but it's like, if people understood that, like, and then you could become so powerful with your word. Like when God said, let there be light and there was light. I don't think people realize the profoundness of that. Like his word was so powerful because he was so authentic to his word that literally what he spoke, he spoke it into existence. And it was, and people might say like, how'd you do that? It's good. Cause I said so. Imagine the power of getting so authentic with your word of who you say you are and being it that you literally start to speak creation into possibility in your life just because you said so. And I know so, this, we're getting into some deep concepts here. No, no. Have I ever told you the story of how Entra started? I don't, no, I don't think so. Okay. So, because it's like, yeah, I'll just tell you the story. I don't even need to say what it is. I'm just going to tell you the story and you'll see see how it fits. So, and I'll give you the quick version here. Um, but basically in 2018, I uh, I sold my previous business, which was a digital agency. And I'd had a number of businesses and I was kind of like doing pretty well. And basically, but by via this transaction of selling this business at 39 years old, I was effectively going to be retired. It was like a multiple. It wasn't like huge, but it was a multiple seven figure exit, which on top of everything else I had done, it was just kind of like, 
I, I, I was there. I was good, right? And, or I should have been. <laughs> and uh, I started about half, but it was on a, it was on a, about a two year um, earnout, mm. the payout, right? And so uh, in early 2000, so, so I decided in 2018, I was like, okay, what do I want to do? Because I, I would no longer have this business. And I was like, I'm going to start uh, creating content online. And I started, and I had this, I had this weird feeling in me that was kind of like, you need to get going. You need to get busy. Like don't, don't, you know, Rolling Stone gathers no moss kind of vibe, right? Like mm -hmm. don't pause, keep, go right into the next thing. Even though I just sold a business and a lot of people be like, ah, oh, I'm going to play golf. There was no time for golf, right? So I go right into the next thing. And orig the original name for Entra was called School of Awesome. So I still own the domain School of Awesome. That's all, that is awesome. I love that. <laughs> and and what I was going to do, it was going to be like, I was just going to give away all this free content uh, initially, right? I, I knew the kind of the model of like you build value, kind of the Hormozy model, right? Like give away yeah. this ton of goodwill, create value, and eventually you build an audience that will want to buy something from you. In fact, they get eventually they get annoyed if you don't have something for sale or some way to like engage in a commercial relationship with you. But anyway, so I start say, I'm just going to teach the world how to have a more awesome life, right? And uh, so I start producing this content. And I basically started speaking into existence that, hey, I am Jeff Lerner. I've, I have used entrepreneurship to transform my life. I used to be a broke jazz musician and now I, you know, I'm 39 and basically retired. And I am leading. I didn't say I'm going to. I said I am. Yeah. I am leading a movement of entrepreneurs, uh, aspiring and emerging entrepreneurs that are using entrepreneurialism as I have uh, with some frameworks that I've developed to transform their life. And I'm going to, and I'm going to teach that through my content. Right. And I started. And so basically, anyways, what ended up happening was in the spring of 2019, only probably six months into my deal, it started to become very obvious that the company that I had sold my company to was having some financial problems and they were probably going to default and I wasn't going to get paid. Mm. So I had, I had given up my income stream, my business in exchange for what was supposed to be a lump sum paid out over two years and a quarter of the way into it, that was all starting to evaporate. But I had been speaking school of awesome into existence yeah. saying I'm leading this movement. And within a few months, so, so the month that they defaulted, uh, that they missed their first, they actually completely missed their payment was June. That same month, I looked at the numbers and I had 2 million people that had viewed and or shared my content. Wow. And, and it was like, oh, okay. So I think the reason in my mind, the reason I'm having the rug pulled out from under me on the one deal is because I'm supposed to get into gear on the other one. Mm. And I just, and I accelerated and I ended up creating a course and it, we launched that course in July. That course has now sold over 250,000 units. It's as far as I know, it's one of the, maybe the best selling business education course in the history of the internet, but it's all because I spent a year before that speaking the movement into existence. And then by the time I actually really needed there to be a movement, cause I was getting screwed over here, there were 2 million people. Yeah. They just showed up, dude. Because I talked about it. Yeah. Well, I would even say versus I, rather than they showed up, you created them through your speaking and your language. Yeah. It, it was it was God saying, hey, you know that you create your own life through your language thing that you always say? I'm like, I'm, I'm showing it to you right now. Ne never again let there be doubt. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I, I, I like, 
I was like, man, can you imagine if we taught kids this in schools, like at young age, it's like, oh, hey, by the oh. way, kids, you, you, you want to get really good at just controlling the narrative that goes on in here and you want to control it and you want to, you, you want to tell your mind what to believe and what it, who you want to be. Cause as long as you control the narrative with your language, then you're in control of your life. And, the and, minute you give up control of the narrative. Well, and they've proven this in schools. The the it's called the Rosenthal effect. They went into schools and they told the teachers, they said, Hey, that kid over there, he, we tested him and he's gifted. Now, there had been no test. Yeah, I remember there this. Were no, there were no special gifts, yeah. but the teacher suddenly thought they had a gifted student and they started talking to them differently. And, and the other kids them start, with language. Yeah. The other kids picked up on it. And they're like, oh, the teacher seems to talk to little little Jimmy like he's really smart totally. or something. He must be. And by the end of the year, little Jimmy's way out in front of his whole class yeah, because the language around him supported this new belief, this new identity for himself. Okay. So here's, here's another powerful part about this that I don't want to miss is if we can create ourselves powerfully into new possibilities with language, we can also do that for the people we love and care about most. Yes. Yes. It's like, man, again, that concept of like, what if we spoke possibility in life into our spouses all the time? What if we spoke possibility in life into our children, into our team members? And not, not, not from a manipulation, it's like from a place of possibility. Like, look, the other thing is one of, so a few of the things in my manifesto around my family is I am that nothing is worth complaining about. I am that nothing is worth overreacting to. I am that nothing is worth getting frustrated over. I am that no one in my family benefits from my criticism and judgment. And yet everyone in my family benefits from my love and forgiveness. I am that my family does not benefit from my judgment and criticism, but only benefits from my love and blessings. And I, and I say that not because I'm always there. I'm saying it as a possibility to like continue to create myself into being more and more of that because look, I want to speak possibility into my, and because the thing I realize is my wife, my kids, just like every, they have enough judgment and criticism coming from themselves and from others that they need our love and and our our belief way more than they need our criticism and our judgment and our advice and our and our opinion. And so that's another thing that when I started waking up to the power of it myself to create myself, I was like, wow, I could also use this to speak and breathe life into other people like Gordon did for me. And it's like, man, imagine if we were doing that in homes. Imagine if we were doing that in teams and companies where we spent more time creating people with language and creating ourselves with language. I just don't know anything more powerful around creation than language. Hey there, real quick, I just wanted to let you know, I have been concentrating a lot lately on providing tons of value to my text message community. This could be random thoughts. This could be letting you be the first to know about an event I'm planning or a special I'm running or a free training I'm hosting. Anyway, just shoot me a text to get subscribed. The number is 702-996-3926. Thanks so much. Let's get back to the podcast. So so talk to me. I completely agree. I, I know we're we're coming up on time here. So I, I know that you obviously do uh, work with large organizations that have you come in. Uh, and, and these are, I mean, for everybody else's benefit. I mean, these are organizations that have, I mean, they measure outcomes by by quantitative bottom lines, right? Like they don't spend money on stuff just because it feels good. And so <laughs> right. they invite you in to work into their organization to help their team members, their employees, their, you know, independent consultants, whatever it is to 
you know, sort of operationalize some of the stuff we're talking about into their own lives with a, with an explicit business purpose, right? Sure. Like to help grow a business. Can you talk a little bit about, since the audience here is highly entrepreneurial, can you talk about maybe just some of how you start to apply this and, and feel free to, I know you talk a lot about developing like your personal brand, your story brand, you know, how does this all kind of come together into a methodology that somebody listening can say, okay, I'm going to start doing this thing or this process to, to, and to, to dip, to prove the results to myself over time. Yeah. Yeah. No, happy to. And I, and I'm, I apologize that I have to run a little bit earlier than we expect. I, I'm, I'm helping coach flag football. So, um, there's this really interesting link between identity and language. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about language. Well, whatever, whatever a company's identity is, meaning how they see themselves has a strong influence on the language they use. Mm -hmm. So let's take a wealth management firm, for example. If that wealth management firm sees themselves as, well, we're a wealth management firm. Well, then there's a lot of language that gets created that's all around wealth management, which nothing wrong with that. It's just highly commoditized. So one of the things that we, that as a practical thing that you could take away from this is I would encourage you to take your industry you're in and set it over here and then take the identity and set it over here and separate the industry from the identity. What's happened within most organizations, they've allowed the industry they're in to swallow their identity whole without even knowing it. So it's like we're in the coaching industry. So our identity is we're a coaching firm. And I'm like, no, that's not who you are. It's what you do. We're a financial planning firm. No, it's not who you are. It's what you do. We're a mortgage business. No, it's not. And finally, people are like, oh, you're right. Like our industry, that's what we do. Our identity, that's who we are. So it would probably be really useful if we got really clear on our identity, that thing that's deeper and bigger than our industry, that's bigger than what we do. Because if we can start and tap into that, then we can have identity-driven language, identity-driven messaging, identity-driven sales, identity-driven values that all links back to this identity that, again, is not commoditized. It's like really at the soul level of like, this is who we are. This is our purpose. So there's this really interesting link that your identity can shape your language and your language can create your identity. So as an entrepreneur, a huge takeaway would be, think about the industry you're in and I, nothing wrong with the industry. It's great. The, I'm, I'm okay with you loving your industry and wanting to be the best at what you do, but realize that your industry and what you do is not unique. That's the most commoditized part of your business. The most unique aspect of your business is your identity and who you are. So like Entre, for example, right? We could we could classify Entre is a, is a coaching, personal development, right? That's... That's the industry. That's what you do. But there's this way deeper identity and mission that I've experienced around who you are, that if our language gets generated from our identity, it's mm -hmm. authentic, it's powerful, it's it's believable, it's it's differentiated. If our if our language is generated simply from our industry, well, then we're just out talking about the same things yeah. everyone else is. Yeah, I, I, it's so funny. I literally had a call yesterday around our Entrez coaching program which is one of our sort of five deliverables in our in our suite about essentially the language that we use in the first 90 days of coaching will ultimately completely determine the experience people have over the long term with our coaching program and and the challenge uh of having a bunch of people that aren't all completely immersed in the same language like yeah. language creates culture and as you're talking I'm thinking of like man there's some profound examples of this, right? Like Apple, for example, uh, you know, their slogan is think different. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, they, they make they make technology and hardware and whatnot, but they do it all. Ultimately, it's undergirded by this idea of like, we create tools that help people think different. Yeah. So a great example is Apple could say like, creating the most innovative and useful technology is what we do. Helping people think differently, inspiring people to think differently is who we are. Who we are, right? It's like, whoa. Zappos. Zappos, right? Yeah. Yeah. Either Selling shoes online. is what we do. Yeah. Happiness. And people are like, wow, yeah, there is a distinct difference between what we do and who we are. But like, but when you're in it, you kind of like, you don't even realize it's happened. You, you're so close. You can't read the label from inside the bottle. And so half the work we do in the beginning is literally just pulling apart their industry and their identity and showing it to them. And they're like, whoa, we've totally lost sight of who we are, which means our people have too, which means, man, the language we're using is not as powerful yeah. as it could be. And and so that's the that's that's something that you could just really look at as an entrepreneur of like, huh, what would it look like to get really clear on our identity and who we are versus our industry and what we do? So it's the same I, thing I want... in homes and families, by the way. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. being a family is what we do. That's who, but it's like, who are we as a Smith family? Who are we as the learn? Like, if we can create this identity as a family, it'll generate this more upgraded language that we use around who we are and our identity as a family. You know, this is from growing several consecutive businesses. I had a seven-figure business. This was true. Then I had an eight-figure business. This was true. Now I have a nine-figure business. This was true. God willing, I ever build a billion-dollar business. I guarantee this will be true. Your business performance starts to deteriorate when what you just said, Chris, when that happens. Mm. When, when your industry starts to swallow your identity or the, the way I think I've observed it is it's like uh, it's like in, in the Bible when, when they were trying to build the Tower of Babel and God cursed them and said, you'll all speak different languages and they couldn't communicate anymore. When that starts to happen in your business where people use different language to, to express the identity of the organization, I guarantee you deteriorating business performance is right around the corner. Totally. Yeah. No, it's like, it always reminds me of that scene in The Lion King where um, Mufasa comes back and visits Simba in that dream and the vision. You remember that? Mm-hmm, and basically totally. Mufasa tells him like, you've forgotten who you are. Yeah. You've, you've run from your identity. You've forgotten who you are. Like, remember who you are. And he says it like, remember who you are. And Simba like remembers like, oh yeah, this is who I am. And he returns back to like, but it's like a lot of companies have just kind of forgotten who they are. Not on purpose. It's just in the, in the pursuit of growth and building and growing and building. It's like, no one's been behind the scenes being like, okay, every time we grow though, we're going to come back to our identity. We're going to keep anchoring back to this idea of who we are, and it's easy to let us get away from you. And it, and and I think back to even when I was a solopreneur, affiliate marketer, it, it happens for individuals too. Where after oh, yeah. a while, you spend so much time tackling your problems, and so much of your language becomes dominated by your problems that your identity becomes your problems. Yeah. Um, man. Okay. Hey, how can the world get more Chris Smith goodness? Yeah. So if you go to um, we. Two different uh, companies, campfireeffect.com. That's our consulting company where we help entrepreneurs with all things identity, leadership, and language. And and or if you have a family and you're like, man, I want to be more intentional with the language we use in our home and the culture we're creating in our home. Uh, we have a version of that for families called familybrand.com. And so we just, we want to help people see what's possible in their lives, their companies, and their families. Yeah. And it's amazing stuff. You know, I'll, I'll say this for the world. I mean, we've at Entra, myself personally, I know multiple organizations that have engaged Chris and we at Entra have had Chris, he's taught master classes for us. He's uh, been integrated and in, his work has been integrated into our coaching program and it, it is extraordinary. Um, and it's very, very aligned with our mission here at unlocking human potential. So Chris, 
Thank you for the amazing work that you're doing in the world. Thanks for who you are and thanks for being a guest on our show. Thanks for having me, man. It was an honor. Of course, it's a great, a great time. And of course, to all you viewers and listeners out there, you, as always, are the best part of this show. You're why I do what I do every single day. So grateful we got to spend this time together. We will catch you next time. Hey, it's Jeff here. If you liked this episode of Unlock Your Potential, it would mean so much if you would like and share the episode on whatever platform you're listening or viewing on. And if you really like what we're doing here and you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving a review. There is so much work that goes into these episodes and you leaving a positive review lets us know that that work is reaching people and especially it helps us reach other people. Your review could be the reason that someone else decides to tune in, check out this podcast and unlock their potential and ultimately level up the quality of their life. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support and for listening, especially if you like or share or leave a review. Thank you for helping us spread the word and thank you for unlocking your potential to go make the world and your world a better place.